and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are so glad that you can join us today. We're brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org, an incredible organization with lots of progressive Christian resources. Check them out. Also follow them and us on social media. You won't want to miss any of that. Today we're talking about the Mandalorian and the thing you should know. Ah. We will have some spoilers. I'm here today, as always, with my good buddy, Mark Sandlin. How you doing today, Mark? Doing great, Caleb. I uh, hope that you are. I am doing great, and I am Excellent. ready to shift radically from yes. what we did last week, talking about Star Trek to talking about Star Wars. I tell this you what, that's a, it's a big turn right there. It's a big turn, you know, and we're going to try <laughs> something really different. We're going to talk about something that's sci-fi or fantasy related. So I know wow. that's, that's a big departure idea. for us. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay, hey, but before we talk about anything, yes. we got to get our drinks on. So oh, what absolutely. are you drinking today, man? Well, I uh, one of the more popular online uh, cocktails for the Mandalorian is called the Baby Yoda. So uh -huh. I've, I've, I've switched it up. I've used their style, but I'm calling mine a Grogu. Because that's oh. his real name, people. Yeah, it's Grogu. Grogu. And uh, the yes. one online is a vodka drink. So, uh -huh. but, uh, in honor of Pedro Pascal, who's not really Mexican, but is has a, a, a Hispanic heritage, I went with yes. tequila. And so I'm doing mm, a, a, mm -hmm. a sort of a play on uh, on uh, on on a margarita. It's tequila. I muddled a kiwi in the bottom uh -huh. first. Because the kiwi reminds me a little of Grogu. You know, he's green, but he's a little furry uh -huh. on the outside. Uh -huh. So I muddled yeah. the kiwi. I used some uh, melon liqueur, some tequila, a little sour mix. And then I trimmed it out complete with uh, ears and eyes that I used uh -huh. some, uh, I used, uh, oops, I used some uh, blackberries to make the eyes and made myself a little Grogu. So I'm calling my Grogu. It. How about you? What direction do you go in? This is a fun one to play with, right? It is a fun one. And so for the first time, we have taken yes. our inspiration from the same drink. Okay, ah, so really, we have, okay. we've been doing this for over a year, Mark, and we've yeah. never had well, the that, same actually, drink. We are right at a year, like to the day. Today? This day? Our first show was this day last year. No way. Okay. Facebook hey, happy anniversary, yep. Mark. Happy anniversary to us, right? Let's, so, let's drink. Okay. Over, okay, over so, a year, we haven't repeated a, 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 a like inspiration. So this is, I'm curious, like, how did it inspire you? Well, okay. Yeah. So this is, this is our, for our anniversary. We've, we've chosen the same drinks. This is We're going to go Star Trek again. There's a mind meld kind mind of thing meld. going on, mm -hmm. it seems. All yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Same but different. How so? Same but different. Okay. So mine's so mine is a martini, but it's a fruity martini. So I've uh, I've made uh, it, it something with coconut flavors and lime flavors. So and uh, it's uh, a kind of a coconut martini. So I've got Grogu too. You did here. Grogu as well. Yeah. It. So it's got blueberries and little apple slices. It's very fruity. Uh, so. Hey, cheers to your Grogu. Cheers to you, sir. Here's here's to your Grogu. Oh, that is delicious. As is mine, and we both took a sip without spilling it everywhere on our keyboards. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. That is something to celebrate. Let's take another drink and let's come back and get into it. 
Jesus show. Uh, you are joining us for our geek out section, and um, we're just doing season three of Mandalorian episodes one and two. But for those of you who maybe aren't going to watch the show but want to enjoy listening to the discussion, I'm going to try to, as much as possible, quickly give you an overview of both episodes. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, in, in season three, we of course rejoin uh, the journey with Din Djoran and Grogu, properly known as I pointed out as Baby Yoda. And in episode one, uh, Din saves a group of Mandalorians from a, a giant uh, dinosaur alligator turtle thing uh, <laughs> who, who is uh, basically interrupting uh, an induction ceremony. And uh, mm -hmm. then he begins to prepare for a trip to the mines of Mandalore, which we once thought were completely destroyed. And he's doing this in order to restore his rights as a Mandalorian after breaking a key law removing his helmet so that he really he did it so that he could connect with Grogu or reconnect with mm -hmm. Grogu after his re uh, anyway to reconnect with them and so then in in episode 2 Din and Grogu are actually on their journey to uh the mines and it it basically it goes terribly wrong and Grogu has mm -hmm. to go get help from Bo-Katan who was once the ruler of the Mandalorians in order to rescue Din but the, the interesting thing is in the process of the rescue, uh, they learned that an extinct creature that's central uh, to the Mandalorian history, history mm -hmm. actually isn't extinct. And so mm -hmm. we had two pretty uh, action-packed and interesting episodes, I thought. I mean, what did, what did you yeah. think about the two? Yeah. Yeah, they were super action-packed, and especially uh -huh. the second one. I mean, they, they did a lot to drive the story along, but yeah, there was a, a lot of time with no dialogue, too, where right. we're, we're seeing them go through. And so uh, that's, I think, one of the things that's been very interesting about The Mandalorian. You know, they call it, what, mm -hmm. like a, a Wild West kind of space opera show, and that's one of the things. The first two things seasons that, certainly were. We had, like, Wild West and a little, mm -hmm. like... Uh, a uh, uh, samurai show kind of stuff going, particularly the first yeah. two seasons, we completely had that. I mean, yeah, and, really. And so, and, and so, I think that's one of the things that's compelling about it, right? Is that it's right. uh, it's kind of got that feeling, but it's but it's in space, and you're exploring the Star Wars universe in a way that we really haven't before. I think that's one of the things that's really appealing. And so, yeah, this was uh, this was fun, a fun uh, episode, and we we got to see. Uh, you know the the Mandalorian get captured and uh, Din right. get captured and wasn't Grogu. that the coolest creature that captures captures him? Like I, I hope cool. I hope it's not the end of this creature. One, I want to know what the yeah. creature inside the shell really is. But the whole contraption that it had put together and created this mm -hmm. stalker, spider-like mechanical, um, and then after they think they kill it, it kind of peels off in its own little. Mm -hmm. I don't know what what would you call it like a, a little, um, I don't know I don't know what that thing. I, 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 it's, it's, 
watching yeah, it walk it, away in, a, in that little capsule rather than the giant spider-like kind of crazy. It was just so cool. Yeah. It was so Star Wars. Like, that's the stuff yeah. that made us fall in love with Star Wars to start with all mm-hmm. this inventive, creative, mm-hmm. new ways of approaching characters. And that one for me was the moment where I felt like, ah, they're, they're, they're recapturing this, this mystery and entry. Like, I was instantly engaged with that character and very curious. I hope we find out more about it. I hope so too. I mean, all we found out about the the other characters that were kind of in the mines is that they used to live behind the Mandalorian cities, but we didn't really find out a lot about them. But you're right. We are getting some new character development and we're not just exploring the same uh, species that we've seen over and over again. That is one of the things that makes it fun. And it's fun to get to learn uh, more about, that's been one of the things that's been fun. The whole series has been learning more about like Mandalorian mythology and all, but I felt like we have really started to dive into that this season. I know we're going to talk more about that in the next segment, but it's, it's really kind of been fun to get to learn more about uh, the the Mandalorians and and what the Mandalorian myths were and what it feels like. And that's been a lot. It feels like we're shifting gears from the first two seasons. Mm -hmm. The first two seasons were great. Like you said, there's a lot of gunfighter kind of feel to it. And there were, like even in the mm-hmm. first episode mm-hmm. when he's preparing to go to the mines, we do see him like in the standoff with the with the pirates and you get a sure. lot of yep. old west mm-hmm. kind of posturing and stuff. That was fun. Yeah. It really does feel like we're shifting into I'm going to make a little pun here into the Mando lore. It feels like we're going uh, in, It feels like we're going <laughs> into the lore of all of uh-huh. the background and I and that we're investigating and we're seeing these sort of spiritual theological overtones of who they are and why they are and mm-hmm, all of that. Mm-hmm. And that's been intriguing, if not a little bit hard to follow, because it is not an uncomplicated history of the Mandalorians. I mean, it is, it's pretty dense. Did you feel like it, did you feel like they presented it in a way that you were able to follow along relatively well and start because I think they're just trying to peel back layers. They're not wanting to give it to us all at once. Like we're getting a little bit I here, think that's right. A little bit there. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're I think you're 100% right because we're we're learning a little bit at a time and uh, we get the notion that there's a much larger mythology and it is right. slowly revealed. And I think that's okay because, you know, if you find out everything about the Mandalorians uh, in this one fail swoop. I think it, you're right, right. It would be way too much to digest, but learning a little bit keeps you invested, keeps you intrigued. And certainly mm-hmm. it has been for me, this has been one of the most fun series to watch uh, in a, a really long time. It's, it's been so engaging and uh, you know, it's, it's been fun both to learn about the Mandalorian because we, we hadn't gotten mm-hmm. a lot of exploration before the series, but also the, the connection between Grogu and Din has been fun to explore and to see blossom and develop over the over the course but of I, the season. And I'm curious life. about that. I'm I, I, talking about Grogu and Din because we have learned since season three came out with some interviews that, and they hinted at it, like the planet they go back to mm-hmm. isn't kind of run down anymore. It's well developed, and the overhead mm-hmm. shot as they're flying in, there's greenery that's growing that wasn't there before. Uh-huh. So it's clear, right. like, and the pirates want to go into what's now a school because it used to be a bar. Well, that oh, takes right. a lot of time to happen. And so we've yeah. seen a lot of time has passed. I, I am curious. What do you think of, because, like, Grogu himself, 
mm-hmm. has at this point has been a member of the Jedi Academy. He's trained. We we've now learned for two years mm-hmm. with Luke Skywalker. Uh-huh. Why do you think, and is it a good idea? I guess it's a two part question. Why do you think they're doing it? And is it a good idea that they're keeping Grogu sort of childlike, uh-huh. even though he's been through that kind of training, even though he's like had a lot of age behind him, why are they doing it? And is it a good idea? Is it overplayed or, or is this something we're going to see for a while? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they call him the child. They got to keep him childish. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think. No, at what look. point? At what point is that just no. like playing into uh, being able to sell more, I, like, more, more merchandise? More um, merchandise so because he's so damn cute, and the adults it, and the kids are going to want one. You know, he is, he is cute. I, I think, in all fairness, I think we've seen some development uh, of his talents and abilities and characterization, especially already this season i mean the fact that he have but right so i mean like being able to to navigate back and to go get help from uh bo katan i think is uh some character development from the extreme childlike uh sense that we got and especially in the first season but i i do think it's time to push him forward a little bit i i mean i get that the character ages slowly but one right. of the things you need is character development. And I think we need <laughs> to continue. <laughs> it turns out that's like an essential plot device that, that, that you need for a series to remain interesting and engaging. And so I, I think that we need to start seeing that with him. I'm hopeful that over the course of the season, since we've already started to see some of this right. happen, that we'll, we'll see it further this season. But I, I would like to see a little bit more grown-up uh baby yoda less baby yoda <laughs> uh you know i'd like to see grogu kind of grow up a little bit where do you land on that where do you what do you think mark i i i think that it is overplayed honestly mm-hmm. i i am mm-hmm. i am i still find it cute but within mm-hmm. the story i feel like it doesn't fit it does for instance when he's sitting in yeah. the swivel chair when I mean, he's using the force mm-hmm. to spin himself mm-hmm. around every time you know yeah. And then he like gets the space M and M's to you know come to him so he right. can have yeah. his little yeah. snack. Space M and M's, I love that. Yeah, I found that adorable, like completely adorable. But mm-hmm. I also realized it was pulling me out of what was going on mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there was a part of me that immediately thought, well, "What's he going to stop doing that stuff?" Like, yeah, it felt mm-hmm. it feels overplayed. It feels a little too marketable. Um, yeah. And it feels like he has been through enough that he would be more in that uh, late elementary school, early middle school kind of mindset of where he has fun and he's a little bit combative with like with uh, with with then mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we need more of that now, where he is in that growth stage because he has learned with Luke for two years. He has had Din treating him like a child and saying, uh-huh. if you're going to be a Mandalorian, you have to learn to navigate because a Mandalorian knows how to read maps. That way, if you know where you all are, you'll never right. be lost. Those kind of things. I feel like saying that to a, a baby makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It feels like uh-huh. we're getting two different stories here. We, he's a baby. He's a child. Isn't he cute? Isn't he adorable? Oh, 
you you need to learn how to read a map. Oh, by the way, <laughs> I'm. If you don't go get if if uh, if if you if you if you don't um, um, go and get Bo-Katan, I'm probably going to die. Like, how do you expect that out of a baby, man? I mean, come on. <laughs> is that too much? Is that really too much to expect from a baby? So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I think you're right. Do you think we're going to see some progress in that over this over the course of the season? Do you think like the season's off? I think we're going to see star? some. I don't think we're going to see nearly as yeah. much as, as as the character deserves. Uh-huh. Uh, again, and this is the the downside of Star Wars. I, I, ever since mm-hmm. the first movie became successful. I don't think anything in the first movie was made thinking about marketing. Uh, it was yeah. just made because it was this beautiful, fun, incredible space mm-hmm. cowboys, uh, massive story. Um, ever since then, though, we do have things that are intentionally marketable. Mm-hmm. Baby Grogu, Grogu is probably one of the most marketable things we've seen in a very, very long time in the Star Wars genre, universe. Yeah, I, uh, I even I outside. Really... <laughs> it's wow. a, even a, when you compare it to outside things. I mean, we were at yeah. Build a Bear the other day, and you could buy for your bear little little Grogu ears. Grogu cap. You could buy it for like your animals. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it's a very marketable thing. <laughs> There's and a I lot think, of money to be you know, made. That's the problem. There's a lot of money to be made. So I think we're still going to see cute, adorable Grogu. Which let's face it, all of we're going to call them Yodas because we don't know what race they really are. We only right. know of three Yodas right now. And uh-huh. two of them aren't cute and adorable. They're right. serious as crap. Like uh-huh. they're, 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 they're sages. They're contemplative. Uh-huh. They're uh-huh. like, and this one somehow though is very cute and adorable up until he's got to be in the timeline. He's got to be 60 ish at this point, which is right. You know, Cause he starts them. out at 50. Right. Yeah. And we've, yeah. from what we've heard, he's at least had, yeah four to 10 years since then. Um, yeah, they lived to their nine, 900-ish. That's, I think Yoda died at 900. So sure, he's young in terms of that span, but he's also playing against like what seems to be that whatever his race is. I, mm-hmm. I hope that they let go of it faster than I think they're going to. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, 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 I'm hopeful that we'll see some development. Uh, I, I think you're right about the marketing piece, and uh, and probably we won't see see it uh, happen all over the course of this season. But I'm, maybe if we see some development this season, and we see him kind of jump forward a little bit in the next season, maybe maybe we'll get there, Mark. But I'm yeah, with you. I, I think you're right on. Well, I I would honestly I would love to just at this point do. Uh, an ep- uh, do an episode of the Moonshine Jesus show for every episode of the Mandalorian. But that, that... <laughs> yeah, because we barely got into it. We scratched the right. surface. There's of, so yeah. much that we could be talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more, I have no doubt, in the next segment because uh, this new season definitely lends itself to particularly theological perspectives, but also yeah. some political yeah. stuff. So uh-huh. let's, uh, let's, let's take the drop and uh, come back on the other side and uh, dig in a little more. <laughs> Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're moving into our Theopolitico segment where we are going to talk about theology and politics of the Mandalorian. And 
looking at the first two episodes of season three. So there is a ton to talk about, which is uh, kind of surprising because we're not very deep into the season. But <laughs> you said there is a lot of Mando lore here yes. for us to explore. And uh, one of the oh, that- I like the to explore. You you like okay. ah, well played. I like that. <laughs> Okay, so hey, look, one of the one of the prominent themes here has been a parallel with what I would call Christian baptism, right? We see uh, man, Mandalorians uh, going through this ritual where they're in the water, reciting a creed, putting getting water uh, poured over them, and yep. in order to experience redemption. Uh, Din has to go to the mines where there is this living water where he is supposed to bathe in it. So. Uh, I have a question for you, Mark. Um, I've heard a lot that uh, baptism is about redemption, and that is what uh, what Din is seeking. I want to know, what is the purpose of baptism in the Christian tradition, Mark? Is it redemption? Or if it's not, what what is it? In the Protestant tradition, it is a sign and a symbol of God's grace. And secondarily, it is a movement from uh, in, into... Uh, the body of Christ. Uh, there's lots of pieces all around that. You can, you know, you, you can add to it. You can, and, and different folks are going to say it, see it in different ways. But at its core, it is those two things. It's primarily a sign and a symbol that points to God's grace, uh, and then secondarily and very close, it's also a movement from one point of life to a new point of life where you're a part of the body of Christ. Um, that's my traditional training. What would you? How would you augment that? Well, well, do you think it's about redemption at all? Is redemption a part of that? Uh, I think at times it can be, but the redemption really comes in terms of traditional theology. The redemption comes through the grace of God. We can't redeem ourselves. No one else can redeem us. Uh, mm-hmm. Not the minister, not anyone. It is the grace of God through which we can be redeemed. So there is that thing, but I don't think that, at least in its origins, that that is central to uh, the theology of baptism. It has certainly become a part of it, particularly in, in, in certain parts of Christianity. Um, and I don't know that it's a, a bad thing. Um, yeah. Outside of the fact that you then have to deal with redemption theology. And yep. what are we being redeemed from? And what does that say about a God that creates beings that need to be redeemed? I mean, there's there's lots of complications that come there. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, you have to kind of, and, and I guess I'm go, I'm being very uh, um, um, Din here. Like he, he's yeah. very much about mm. the orig- an originalist. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think we're learning that he's going to, feels like this is the year where he realizes that his kind of being an originalist, being a hardcore sort of fundamentalist, and, and this is different. Originalists in, in Christianity and fundamentalists in Christianity are very different things. But I think mm-hmm. in Mandalore mm-hmm. culture, we're getting set up that they're about the same thing. I think we're beginning to see the beginning cracks of him realizing that maybe Bo-Katan and her movement, which is much more about mm-hmm. peace than his movement was and was much more about opening uh, mm-hmm. up at, uh, the rules a little bit so that more can participate in sort of the kinship of Mandalorianism. I think we're beginning to, we're going to see a movement of him learning that. Um, And, but when it comes to baptism, I feel like Christian 
baptism needs to, we need to kind of, when we talk about the theology behind it, we need to stick to origins, be more originist in, in terms of this is about pointing to the sign and the symbol of God's grace. And it is also about, let's call it membership, about belonging yep. to yep. the kinship of God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's fascinating because we do get in the New Testament uh, with the explanation that John is baptizing for the forgiveness of sins, redemption right. for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and I, so I come from, I, I kind of straddle two traditions here. I'm a part of both the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, which practices believers' baptism, and right. the United Church of Christ, which practices infant baptism. Mm -hmm. And so um, in, in the disciples, the understanding is that uh, for most disciples, you can't really say anything for sure in either one of these traditions. Anyone who's been a part of either one of these know <laughs> that you can't really speak in broad, <laughs> in anything more than just in broad strokes because uh, people have freedom of belief. But, you know, I think in disciples tradition, it tends to be a ritual marker of a person's decision to follow the teachings of Jesus. And mm -hmm. so it's so it's not necessary. There's nothing magical happening in the waters or anything right. like that. It's it's a person's decision uh, to follow the teachings of Jesus, and it's a ritual marker of that. I think I think redemption can be a part of that. If we're talking about believing that Jesus's teachings are a way to focus our life on serving others and making this world a better place, I think there's some redemption in that if that's not what we have been doing in our lives previously to that. Right. I, I don't think it's something magical that happens in the water, but I think that it's it's something that happens through our behavior, uh, the way that yeah, we, we... And I think that that's one of the interesting things about the, the show and what they're doing and the way they're playing with it, because yeah. it, it, it is the living waters, but yeah. uh, Bo-Katan all but says what you just said. Uh, yeah. We once thought that there was something magical about the waters, mm -hmm. but I'm here to tell you, there's nothing magical about these waters. This is just a place. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and for me, that's those little clues that they're starting yeah. to say, it, it feels like that we're getting this um, lesson in uh, mm -hmm. fundamentalism and mm -hmm. uh, maybe some of the expectations of just buying into it and not needing to not think it through. And we're starting to see yeah. Dan. Uh, hearing enough information where he's starting to learn that these things that he just believed because he believed them, maybe he needs to rethink them a little bit. And I, yeah. I like that they're doing that. We particularly need that uh, in the U.S. in terms of the way that Chris, the Christian religion is now to have some pop what? culture. Help. There's no, I, I, there's no fundal, there is no fundamentalism. Where are I you understand. getting that? You you really shouldn't listen to me. I'm an apostate. It's very clear. I'm an apostate. <laughs> you shouldn't be listening to anything I have to say. Uh, but but I love that they seem to be cracking that, like going there a little bit and that to put that in pop culture and kind of plant it in society's, you know, yeah. understanding and to allow us to see it outside of Christianity in a way that we might be able, some folks might be able to hear it better. Yeah. I, I like, I'm hopeful that that is exactly what's happening. Do you, do you think? I'm hopeful too. I'm hopeful too, but I mean, I think the fact that we see this a creature that was thought to be mythological and they thought it was just a legend and then we see that it wasn't, I'm hoping well, isn't tell, telling us that there's maybe more to that than they, right. than they thought, you know, well, because uh, uh, that could they, lean into there the is other a point side there. there. there uh, the, the 
as I understand it, for for Mandalorians, it has become a thought that it was mythical. But historically, they knew it wasn't. Like when they arrived at the planet, um, can't remember what it's called. It's almost called a, a myth, a Mythorian. I can't remember what the beast is called, but it's yeah. got myth in the right. beginning of the name. Right. Um, but it was actually there when they populated the planet. And at first, they proved how great of warriors they were because they're a war society. At least yeah. that's how they're founded. And Bo-Katan's trying to get them away from that. But uh, at first, they were um, killing them to prove how what great warriors are. And then they ultimately started trying to tame them and ride them so yeah. his, in, in history they know they're real but they'd been gone for so long that they started thinking they were real Th- of there course might be some that's play. what could that's what like fundamentalists say that progressive christians do right they say that mm-hmm. actually this this all actually happened exactly. but it's been so long since any of this happened that yeah. uh, that you think it can't happen uh, and, and it's just mythological. So I hope that maybe we don't lean too much into that, or I think it, it detracts <laughs> some from uh, from the uh, from leaning away from I, mythology. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that we're going to lean too hard into it. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to just pretty much pop up, and and we're going to. Um, I really feel like Dan is on a path of recognizing that his attraction to fundamentalism. Uh, is is actually not serving him well at all. If, if anything, it's hurting him. And and it might come down to the fact that Grogu isn't a part of the Mandalore system. And yeah. his 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 way of seeing Mandalorianism shouldn't allow Grogu to be part of it because you have to have roots yeah, within right. the system. Um, and uh, I, I, wait, I, wait, are you saying are you saying that relationships? With with other people who are different from you, who hold different perspectives, are you saying that those kinds of things can broaden your mind and change your perspective? Are you, hey, you you're saying that. that Don't you? get me in trouble. Don't get me. You're the one saying that. <laughs> Does that mean I'm an apostate too? Is, yeah, is that come, what that means? Come to the hey, come to the dark side, Caleb. Come to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there hasn't been a week that either one of us have been in ministry that we haven't been called an apostate or that we're going to hell. I suspect you're like exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> Speaking about being an apostate and going to hell, yes. I have another question um, uh, that is that has to do with the mythology here, and has to do with with bathing in the living waters, and it has oh. to do with creedal statements. Okay, oh. so so he uh, you going to give me saying, I know I am. <laughs> so so uh. Dylan has to recite a creed as he's going in to to the water. Um, and I'd yeah. love to explore that more, but we're not. And it's the time. same creed. It's the same creed that the child was repeating when he was going to receive his helmet for the first time when the right. alligator turtle monster thing happened. Yes, and so as he's as he's having a conversation with uh, Bo-Katan about like the importance of creeds, he says, "Without the creed, what are we? What do we stand for?" And here's my oh. question, Mark: Do Christians need creeds? And if we don't, then without the creed, what are we? And what do we stand for? Oh, dang. Really <laughs> set me up, didn't you? Uh, I will give the answer to the first question first. Do we Christians need creeds? I'm going to give you two words. Hell no. Um, <laughs> okay, yes. And, hell no. and there's me- yeah. and there's meaning to hell no is that our in our okay. creeds we confess that there is a hell. 
And there is mm -hmm. no hell. Biblically, mm -hmm. we know that. And that points mm -hmm. to the dangers of creeds, that we're expected mm -hmm. to just buy into what's being said based on what someone thought hundreds, sometimes thousands of years ago, to do it mindlessly and thoughtlessly, and to define who's in and out based on those. It is far too, it is wonderful to remember history. It is important to know where we came from. It's, it's essential that we know the path that led us to where we are. And there, so there is value in what's behind the creeds for sure, for certain. But the fact that we find it necessary to repeat them as we gather all the time and do it as if it's fact. It's one thing to do it as mm -hmm. let us remember who we once were and from mm -hmm. whence we came or something like that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Mm. It, it can be healthy if it's handled in the right way, but doing it as if these are the facts, this is what you must believe. And if you don't, you might not be accepted by these people who say they love you. Um, mm -hmm. It's an issue for me. I, I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> I couldn't. I, <laughs> and I'm shocked, Mark. I thought I you were going to just say, I, I love Creed. They're the no, best. Nothing, nothing in my field of experience with you made me think that you were going to say, yeah, Creed's on the way, man. <laughs> so so what, where, think, do you, where, where do you fall on that? I come from a non-Creedal oh, tradition. Okay. I didn't even know there were Creed's until I went to college. Mm. I had never, I didn't grow okay. up saying Creed's. Yeah. Uh, so we don't, we don't have them in our, in our tradition. And so the thought yeah. was that Creed's divide people. And so yeah. you uh, and so you have people agree on the basis, which is following Jesus. And if you can or if you can agree on that basic thing, then uh, then it unites people. I, I don't know that that's worked as well as they, they thought it would. There's been a lot of divisive things. But, yeah, I think creeds are extremely problematic. And I can't say them because there's almost nothing in there I agree with, because creeds are almost never about Jesus's actual life. Right. Absolutely. Like the, like we we say what we confess theologically about Jesus, but nothing about his life, which was the only thing that we actually know something about. Uh, right. So I think I think creeds are extremely problematic, especially if we think that Jesus's life and teachings are the basis of how we're supposed to live our lives. And if if we aren't saying anything about that, problematic. I, I want to talk. I want to talk about like a ton more, Mark. I, I've got so many things. Even worse than that, though, just a quick yep. little follow-up is those creeds, yep. particularly in Catholicism and, and Protestantism, uh, it, it's also heavily influenced by politics, which is just no. makes it all the worse. No. I, know, I know. You forget. I'm an apostate, man. I have to say these things. <laughs> I, w I really want to dig into the politics of it, but you know what? Um, if we do... We're not going to yeah. be able to get to our last segment, and we got to uh, because it's the oh, make yeah. me look stupid segment. And mm. you know, I really want you to try to make me look stupid today. So <laughs> I just think uh, it's going to go the other way. But okay, <laughs> let's take a quick break. Let's have some more Grogu drink and come back <laughs> and try to make each other look stupid. <laughs> Shine Jesus show. Uh, so we're in our make me look stupid segment. 
I had I had three different questions this time just because I don't trust oh, Caleb anymore yeah. to not steal my questions. Right. Um, I, and, and I'm going to tell you uh, what two of my questions were before I ask you my actual question. I was thinking I was <laughs> okay. I was thinking that I was going to ask you what actually is the way. This is the way. Like what is mm -hmm. that? And and what are they doing there? Um, I'm not going to ask you that question. Oh. And then I thought maybe I'll just ask him, what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? Because we're getting all these different confusing questions. Mm -hmm. Like, does it mean that you have roots back to Mandalorian? Does it mean, like, does it yeah. mean that you follow the way? Does it mean that you wear the best car armor? What does it mean? Ooh, I'm not even going to ask yeah. you that one. Oh, those are both good. <laughs> good questions. Yeah. I'm going to go to a different direction. Okay. I'm going to make a callback to prior seasons here. Oh, and, okay. And, Let's test my memory. And, right. and something that we will probably be not almost not probably almost certainly are going to still be part of the reason that Grogu is with uh, uh, Din is because Moth Gideon wants him. Moth Gideon wants his blood. Why mm. does he want Grogu's blood? Hmm. Hmm. Let's see. I think there's something. I think there's something special about about this this ra the Yoda race's blood that that we are yet to that we are yet to determine. I think it's some kind of a special connection with the Force uh, that right. this that the blood of this species has that can be utilized. To, oh, okay. The Dechlorians. Yeah, because midichlorians are you know we 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 find out are what gives. They're, they're minuscule, they're microscopic organisms that live in blood that give, all, that are in all beings that give connection to the force. And the more okay. the chlorians so you have, the more connected to the force you are. I love that. So, okay. So I, th I think that there's, uh, there's something special about their blood that allows people to leverage the force mm. at, for good or for ill. Yeah. And that's why I think uh, they, that they want the, the and what, does, what, does what do you think? I, I think that that's core. I really, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I think that it does have to do with his blood uh, that maybe, like you said, the Yoda race, whatever it is, has a particular higher count of midichlorians than most folks. Mm -hmm. I suspect that we're going to find out that Grogu has an even higher count than the typical. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's so interesting yeah. because there's plenty of Force-sensitive creatures out there they could be going after Right. But my question is, why? What's Moth yeah. going to do with it? Why does he want it? Like, what's he going to do with it? He's going to use it for ill, man. He of he's, he <laughs> he's going to he's going to leverage it uh, and to 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 uh, to uh, maybe to uh, to reestablish the empire with him in charge. Uh, yes, and I think. And, and he's going yes. to and 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 he is going to. Uh, uh, exert his power o over over the known universe yeah. with with him I suspect you're right. I suspect you're right. I think if, if you look at Moff, even the way he dresses, you know, he dresses in mm -hmm. all black, sort of shades of Darth Vader. Um he he had the uh the the the, the what, what did they call the black the black saber uh, mm -hmm. for a while yeah. there and it was a non-force being holding the saber. Mm -hmm. I think he desperately wants to have connections to the force. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like in season two, there was a very slight conversation where it was suggested that there was an experiment that happened using some of the blood because they got a little bit from Grogu when they briefly had him. 
Mm-hmm. There was, a, I think they called it a fortnight. There was a fortnight where the experiment seemed to be working. And mm-hmm. so I do think that it's, he wants to be Darth Vader, like Uber Darth Vader. Like he's mm-hmm. trying to shape Uber himself. Darth Vader. I like that. In, yeah. yeah. Trying to shape himself in his image. And he uh-huh. won't, and he doesn't naturally have a high count of midichlorians. He's trying to figure out how to do it. And so he's after this one being that seems to have the highest count of midichlorians in the, in the entire Star Wars universe. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's what you were thinking. And I think that he, it's, that that's how it, he thinks it's going to work, whether it ever will or not. I don't know. Great. I love that. I just made that up. So I'm glad you agree. I, I, like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Okay. It worked here's, out well. All right. So, the, so stump me, man. Give me, give me the hard question. I, I don't know. I can ask you what the, the, that way I can ask you what the actual answer is. Uh, okay. I don't know if I'm going to stump you, but it, it's something that I want to know your perspective on. And I, so I'm going to, okay take this back to a, a theological question here because okay. um, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but this is so dense and I I'm, I'm shocked at how dense two episodes can be theologically, but oh, this, this really was. So crazy. one of the things that, that Bo-Katan says to Den is um, it's cute that you still believe in children's stories. Uh, there's nothing magical about the waters. That's what we're, we were talking about when we were talking about baptism right. here. So, you know, I think that a lot of people outside the Christian faith kind of see the Bible as children's stories. And uh, I've even been told something similar to that. It's cute that you still read children's stories and, uh-huh. uh, and talk about those every Sunday in church. Um, is the Bible... Uh, children's stories is it is it make-believe is it myth like how do we use those in a helpful way and moreover like those of us who are progressive christians who maybe um recognize that some of the stuff is myth like how do we relate to the bible in a helpful way without getting rid of it all or should we get rid of it all what, what do you no, think Mark? no we should not get rid of it all there's great value like, all right, first of all, let's, you know, recognize there's 66 books there. They're all got different purposes. They're all different kinds. They all have Wait, overall. No, 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 no. God wrote them all, right? Didn't God write all of those? Yes, it, through probably 180 <laughs> different people. But that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, it was like descended down from heaven, right? God, like, yeah, spoke drop, into... Right? Oh, wait. Hey, uh, right? That's not how that happened. Maybe, okay. maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. If, if that makes you happy, I'm fine with you. That's, it it does not, not make me happy. As, as long as you're not hurting people with it, I'm fine with it. Whatever you need to believe. Oh, you're uh, kinder uh, than me. <laughs> we I don't care. I literally... Uh, I really don't care. As long as you're not hurting people, like, believe whatever okay. you want. I don't care. Um, no, I mean, the, the majority of the Bible is allegory based in history, but not history. So we have lots of stories where historical things were taken and added to and, and, and built up. But the point of doing it, which was a very common thing during many of the periods that the, over the, the long history that the Bible is written over, is done to teach lessons that are you know somewhat rooted in the history so that it has some realness to it. There's great value in what our historical mothers and fathers were trying to tell us about their understanding of God and who uh, they believe we are to be in the world. 
there is so much value in all of that that it would be ridiculous to to throw it out and get rid of it. And archaeology is helping us understand which parts might be rooted in in, in real life and which parts might be a little uh, a little more imaginative, like Genesis and those types of things. But um, we also have uh, extra canonical things that are written that help support it, and things that were written by uh, some of the leading Greeks of the day that reference things that the Bible references to let us know that it actually is real, that there are some real historical facts, particularly more in the New Testament, where some of it comes much closer to actual history. Uh, there is great value in learning from it. Making the Bible God is the worst thing we could ever mm. do, which unfortunately is what far too much of Christianity tries to do. Like make it an idol that you worship, like an worship idol. the Bible, right? Wait, yeah, there's a. You think there might be a problem there, Caleb? Wait, are we not supposed to do that? <laughs> I wait. I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> uh, I wonder where. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, oh yeah, the Bible. The Bible. Oh yeah. I I, I, I agree. I, I don't think you need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that. Right. I think recognizing that there are a variety of genres uh, and that that different parts of the Bible are striving to do different things, different things is really important. And that's not, that's not being disrespectful for the Bible. That's being it's, it's the opposite. very respectful, right? Because yeah. then we're taking it seriously and engaging with it in the manner that it was meant to be engaged with. So I think recognizing stories too, that are uh, etiologies, stories that are supposed to mm -hmm. explain why the world is the way it is within an ancient context uh, is yep. is important to realize, and I think there. I think we can have a fundamental shift whenever we recognize that the Bible is a collection of people's experiences about how they understood God within their own context. And if we see it not as something that God gave humanity, that God like dictated for someone to write, but instead with people like you and me trying to figure out how it is that this great mystery is revealed in our lives and writing that down. I think if we can see that, then it's an extremely valuable text as we understand how God has been uh, revealed or understood or, uh, or, or seen in some way within the various contexts. So I, I don't think by and large, the Bible is a very good children's story. A lot of it is not great uh, children's no. reading. Uh, so, so we try I, to make, I, we try to make some of it into it. Like my favorite one yeah. is this Noah, Noah's Ark. Like if you really read the text, <laughs> you should not be teaching that to kids. God it is got horrific. Mad killed everybody except for Noah's <laughs> family and a bunch of animals. Um, so yeah, it's not great. If you're right, the ones that we usually take as children's stories often are really, really bad children's stories. You have to leave out big parts of the story to make it okay. Big parts of them. Um, so hey, we could we could go on and on. I'd love to talk about that. But I would we've too. got uh, we we've got other things to do. So do our listeners, and we got to get ready for next week, don't we? Mark? That's right. What I'm excited next about next week, man. I'm very excited. Uh, we are finally getting some new sci-fi fantasy releases and movies. Uh, and so finally. It's about time. We, we, we've had a couple of weeks where we've just searched for what we want to talk about. This yeah. week, we get Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Yes. Second Shazam! movie. I think it's going to be incredible. I actually understand that, well, a lot of the DC stuff is going to be tossed aside as they reinvent it. 
Shazam, they are actually considering whether or not it might be able to continue. It's one of the rare ones that might be able to continue. So uh, it might actually have some impact in the DC universe going forward. So I'm really excited about it. Me too, because I think Shazam, if you're pointing to some of the DC movies that have actually worked, I think Shazam is one of the rare examples over the past 10 years of a DC movie that has been good and fun and entertaining. Mm -hmm. And that's what DC has been missing. Fun yeah. and entertaining. There has been. So, yeah. I'm excited. Absolutely. I can't wait to see it, man. I can't either. It should be a, a, a great time. Can't wait to watch it and talk with you about it. Hey, yeah. thank you to everyone who's been watching live. Thank you to all of you that are listening on the podcast. Uh, Caleb and I only get to do this because you guys all show up and enjoy this with us. So we are very appreciative to you. And so until next time, we'll see you on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine